In just a moment, I'd like to read uh, a passage from the first chapter of the book of Luke. So if you have a copy of the scriptures and you'd like to join me in Luke chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 26. Uh, There are some Bibles uh, in the chairs uh, in front of you. If you want to grab one of those, that's fine too, or you can just listen. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I... I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed! Are you among women? And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Would you pray with me now? God, this is such a wonderful 
story, a true story. And yet, if we were sitting uh, in Mary's uh, chair, if we were walking around in her sandals, we might not have felt so warm and fuzzy about it in the moment. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open up to us uh, what you have for us from this text and help us to walk away from here uh, with greater faith and greater joy in Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of all the strange and sometimes annoying cultural artifacts that an age of social media has gifted us over the last 15 years or so, I think one of the worst has got to be the hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. No one seems to know who started it. I'm sure it was a well-meaning person, but as early as 2011, uh, the hashtag had already taken on a life of its own. People were using that hashtag blessed not to give thanks to God, but to sort of brag about their life. You know, I, I got accepted into an Ivy League school today. Blessed. Got a promotion and a raise. Blessed. Look at this picture of the beach in the Bahamas where I'm staying this week. Blessed. And the rest of us are left thinking, well, I guess I'm not as blessed as you are. By 2014, uh, major news outlets like the New York Times were calling people out for using the hashtag inappropriately. Quote, blessed has reached such heights of overuse that tracking it has become a virtual sport. Wrote New York Times journalist Jessica Bennett. She went on to quote one of her colleagues who said, there is literally no other word that can simultaneously inspire such animosity and rapture. But that hasn't stopped people from using the hashtag and it's become sort of a joke. Uh, one comedian uh, tweeted uh, that he had, you know, he had dropped a piece of bacon from his sandwich and he caught it before it touched the ground. Blessed, you know. Uh, there's even, by the way, there's a Christmas movie coming out this year. I don't know where you can go to see it. Uh, but it's called Hashtag Blessed. And uh, it's just a wonderful movie, it, it, it seems, uh, about Jesse, who has come down with a case of comparisonitis, overwhelmed by the successes and joys of all her acquaintances on social media and feeling kind of envious and jealous. Well, as much as it's been overused in the culture... The Bible talks a lot about what it means to be blessed. And you might have picked up from our reading a minute ago, Mary is called blessed multiple times in this chapter. Actually, in uh, the biblical languages, in both Greek, the, the New Testament language, and Hebrew, there are more than one word that, that, mean, that are translated blessed in the English language. Uh, both of those words in Greek are used in this passage. One of them means uh, to speak well of someone or to speak a blessing or to have a blessing spoken over you. And the other one means uh, to live a life uh, that's uh, happy or, or enviable. And both things are said of Mary here in this passage. Now think about that. Mary is called blessed. But I just want to point out that there is nothing about Mary's life up to this point that is worth taking a selfie with and, and putting on Instagram, right? 
I mean, Mary's life by today's standards is the opposite of what the world would say is ideal. I mean, think about it. Mary is a teenager, probably like 14, 15, 16 years old. Who knows for sure? But I'm sure she's very young. She's minding her own business. And a powerful authority figure has just announced to her, something is about to happen to your body and you have no control over what's going to take place and this is what's going to happen and, and here you are and, 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 and you are favored. You're blessed. Here's a vulnerable young girl living with a set of circumstances she didn't seek out, a future she has zero control over and, and a story that probably no one, at least at first, is going to believe. But this angel and her relative Elizabeth and even Mary herself say that she is blessed. See, by our standards today, we wouldn't say she's blessed. We would actually say Mary is like a, a victim of these circumstances. And yet scripture calls her blessed. And I just want to ask, how can that be? How can, I, how can, how can scripture tell us that Mary is blessed? And what can we glean for that, from, from that for ourselves today? And I'd like to submit to you that there are uh, four reasons why Mary is blessed. Three of them have to do with God, and one of them has to do with her. Uh, four reasons why Mary is blessed. Quickly, notice with me, first of all, Mary is blessed because God is mighty and can do the impossible. God is mighty and can do the impossible. She says, he who is mighty has done great things for me in verse 49. The Bible's very clear in multiple places from multiple sources that Mary was actually a virgin when, she, when Jesus was conceived in her womb. Now, the theological importance of that fact is just like mind-blowing, and we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about it, but uh, Mary's first encounter with this reality wasn't to, to say, okay, let me just go back to the theology books and, and figure out what is the theological significance of this reality. No, she was thinking, how can this be? How is this even possible? And the angel doesn't really even explain it. He just says, the Holy Spirit is going to make it happen and nothing is impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Mary needed to know, you and I need to know, that when God sets out to do something, there is nobody, there is nothing that can stop him from doing what he wants to do. God is mighty. He can do whatever he wants. There is no obstacle too imposing for God to overcome, no bill too expensive for God to pay, no sickness too terminal for God to heal, no generational patterns too ingrained for God to break down. No mental or physical limitations too deeply embedded for God to undo. God is able to do what's impossible for somebody else. He can make a woman who is in her old age and has never had any children become pregnant. That's what he did for Elizabeth. He can make a virgin conceive and bear a son. God is able to do the impossible. But let me ask you a question. Is there something in your life that you've decided is too big? God like it's just too much even for God this is too big something your kids are dealing with at school and you've just given up on it because you think God even is unable to handle this uh, something you haven't even prayed about because it just seems unthinkable that God could do anything about it and I just want to remind all of us that God is mighty He's able to do whatever he wants. That doesn't mean that he's the genie that we rub the lamp and we, you know, he comes out and he, he answers our, our three wishes. 
But whatever God wants to do, he is able to do and he is going to do so you can trust him to do what he sets out to do. And if we would understand that, if we would really own that truth, I think we would be a long way on our way toward being blessed. This is a blessing to Mary. Second reason, why is Mary blessed? Because God is holy and will establish the values of his kingdom. God is holy and will establish the values of his kingdom. Let me tell you what I mean about that. Uh, Mary exalts God for this very quality in verse 49. She says, holy is his name. And then she goes on to expound what, what she means by that, what the entailments are of that. This means God is holy. God, God is set apart. God is one of a kind. He is separate in all ways from all things. He is the glorious, uncreated cause of all things. Everything else that exists, exists because of him, and he is the only being who is uncreated and uncaused by anyone but himself. He's holy. He's one of a kind. He's unique by any and all measurement or standard. And this is a very practical truth, because look at what God's holiness leads to. Look at verse 51, if you're if you've got your Bible open. Mary says, He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. In other words, notice what Mary is observing here. There are people in the world who don't recognize the holiness of God and in fact, they want to steal part of what makes God glorious for themselves, these proud, arrogant people, people like King Herod or Caesar Augustus, people who think they're something and, and give themselves all the credit. And because God is holy, because he's jealous for his own glory, he is not going to tolerate his holiness being mocked. And so what God's going to do is he's going to take those proud people and he's going to put them down and then he's going to take the people who have humbled themselves and he's, the weak, the, the people who aren't noticed, and he's going to exalt them and lift them up. God is holy. His kingdom values often clash dramatically with the values of the world, but he's going to establish those priorities again and again. See, folks, it's not going to be the clever or the rich or the, the beautiful or the well-known or the great ones of the earth that earn God's acclaim. It's going to be those who come to him with empty, open hands and just recognize their need. Those who, like the tax collector in Jesus' story, beat their breast and, and cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't be seduced by the value system of the world. Don't be drawn in by the value system of the world. It's much better to, to receive the kindness of God than to have the biggest muscles or the, the fattest back bank account or the prettiest face or the best report card. All those things are good in and of themselves, but watch out because they can keep you from receiving the grace of God because if you allow them to puff you up and make you proud, then you're, you're gonna find yourself in opposition to the God of all the earth. See, God is holy, and he's going to establish his kingdom values. This is something Mary understood. She was blessed. First of all, because God is mighty, he can do the impossible. Secondly, because God's holy, and he's going to establish his kingdom values. In the third place, though, Mary was blessed because God is loyal to his people and his promises. God is loyal to his people 
and his promises. She says this in verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has helped his servants, his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now Mary is just a young girl, but it's obvious from this song that she uh, sings in, in Elizabeth's presence, this poem that she recites, that she knows her Bible. Uh, she says, God is merciful. Now, we think of mercy, and when we use that word, uh, we think of keeping back something uh, that someone deserves because they've had enough, right? So imagine you're a Little League umpire, and the, the kids are playing this Little League baseball game, and one team is really puny, and the other team is just, you know, they're really good, and they just are running up the score, and after three or four innings, it's just really bad, and so you apply the what? the mercy rule, and you call the game, you say it's over, and we're going to put these guys out of their misery, right? That's what we think of when we think of mercy. We, we think, okay, in discipline, we show mercy. You know, this kid deserves a, uh, to be grounded for two weeks. Okay, I'm only going to ground them for the weekend. I'm going to show them mercy. But if, you're think, if that's all you're thinking about, that word mercy, then you're not, you're not going to understand what Mary's talking about here because in the Bible, this word mercy means so much more than that. Mercy in the Bible, especially uh, in the Old Testament, and I think Mary is drawing from that knowledge of her own understanding of the Bible, is this, this tendency in God's heart to keep his commitments to his people, to stay loyal to his covenant promises, and to just stick with the people that don't deserve it, to be loyal to them. Mercy is his loyal love. It's his steadfast love. It's his constant staying power. When, when we don't uh, accept the love of God, when we push back against it, God is still loyal to his people. Mary was blessed because she understood something very important about the love of God. When he decides to make a promise, when he decides to set his affection on someone, he keeps the promise. His affection remains. He is loyal and will keep his promises to his people no matter what. You want to know why you're not walking in that kind of blessing? It has nothing to do with the fact of, with your circumstances. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. Nothing to do with the fact that you know, your sister got married this year and you didn't, or that your, your friend bought a house and got a really good deal and you're still renting. No. No, whether or not we're blessed has to do with this one thing. Do I understand God's loyal love to apply to me? Do I understand his compassion and his promises to apply to me? Or do I deep down inside believe God doesn't actually have my best interests in mind. And what Mary understood, what we need to understand, is that God loves us. That's faith. And, and by the way, that leads us to our fourth reason why Mary was blessed. Why was Mary blessed? Because she believed what God said. Because she believed what God said. Isn't that what Elizabeth says in this passage? She says, blessed is uh, the, the, the one who believed what, uh, that, 
who, who believed, who believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Mary believed God. By the way, this wasn't the case for Elizabeth's husband. If you go back to the earlier part of, of Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, is also, announced, is also told by an angel, this wonderful thing is going to happen in your life. And he says, you know what, how, uh, how am I going to know that that's really going to happen? He doubts. Mary doesn't doubt. She believes And what I'm saying is, if you are going to be blessed, you need to look at who God is and what he's done and actually believe that all of that is true for you. You've got to say, that's for me. And so, folks, this is the decision we need to make tonight. Am I going to look at who God says he is? He's mighty. He's holy. He's loyal. And am I going to stop believing in myself and in my own abilities? Am I going to recognize that I need forgiveness? I need to be made right with that God. And am I going to recognize that he, that Jesus, is born for me? That's what I need to believe. And folks, I just want to, I'm I'm just going to ask all of us to think about that, to, to respond to that, to humble ourselves and acknowledge that I need forgiveness and healing and believe that Jesus is born for me so that we can be blessed. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for your word and uh, for this gathering of, of your saints. And I ask that if there are any here today who have been seduced by this, uh, this really harmful teaching, this harmful idea that you're good for somebody else, your promises are, are wonderful, for that other guy, but not for me. Lord, I pray that you would push that away and that you would ignite our hearts to believe that your mercy is for us and your son is for those who call out and just say, I need Jesus. Father, I pray that you would do that for every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.